We're continuing with our series on prayer, and if you were here a few weeks ago, you would have heard Pam speak uh, about prayer, and uh, she finished up with with three P's, um, things that sometimes prevent us from praying. And uh, if you took notes, you would have had those, but she said sometimes we're preoccupied with the world, we have a perception uh, that's a wrong one about prayers, and that we persist in unbelief. And if you were here last week, Steve went through the ABCs of prayer. And again, if you took notes, you would have recorded that uh, it's about an association, a relationship with God. The B is for the benefit that comes from that relationship and C, confidence in God's character. So I do encourage you to take notes. If you don't do that, it's a good thing to do. Now, I work with teenagers, so I can tell if you're taking notes or you're just texting. So just want to put that out there. If you're taking notes and all the people around you are going, that's suspicious. I've broken with tradition. I don't have three Ps. I don't have the ABCs. But I do have some uh, helpful quotes that I've come across when I've been reading about prayer through the week. Um, reference to some movies for the movie buffs. And uh, for the rest of us, a few helpful Bible verses as well. But one of the, uh, the quotes that I came across when I was reading is from an author um, who I'm a real fan of. That's Philip Yancey. And uh, this one's on the screen. Philip Yancey says, Most of my struggles in the Christian life circle around the same two themes. Why doesn't God act the way we want God to? And why don't I act the way God wants me to? And he says that prayer is the precise point where these themes converge. Where in our prayer life we're determining what's happening in uh, God's world from his perspective, what's happening in my world and how those two things connect. And uh, another very simple quote from uh, another hero with the faith of mine, Corrie ten Boom. And she says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tyre? Isn't that simple but powerful? Is it the kind of thing that we call upon when we need, get us out of an emergency, or is it something that guides us and directs us every day? Before we go further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a direct line to you through prayer. Father, I pray that you'll open our ears to hear your word, our minds to understand, and our hearts to be stronger for you today. Amen. There's a favourite movie of mine called Castaway. Put the first image up there, thanks Cameron. Tom Hanks is the hero of Castaway and uh, he survives a plane crash, uh, ends up on a remote, deserted island and uh, has to get through all sorts of things in order to struggle and survive. Um, the first things that he has to face are just the basic needs for uh, for food and, and water and shelter. Um, he was in a cargo plane and uh, he collects a lot of the debris and the cargo. We'll go to the next slide there and works out what things he has to help him survive. And there's a real pivotal moment when he finally has fire. If you've seen the movie, you'll know what that's all about. But uh, those immediate things fade into insignificance when you realise he's actually on this island for four years. And uh, I did read that he actually put on 30 kilos 
to act in the first part of the movie then had to lose the 30 kilos to act in the second part of the movie. Can we go to the next shot there? But finally he manages to build a raft and escape. Gets back to society but only to find that things have changed. And I think the reason I like this movie so much is because it's all about perseverance and persistence and really never giving up, wanting to get through and survive and not to quit. And that's what I love about the movie. Thanks, Cameron. And our theme today is about perseverance and persistence in prayer, not giving up. And I think there are times that the concepts of perseverance and persistence take a bit of a beating in society today. You think about all the things that we want straight away, whether it's uh, an instant loan to go and buy the latest gadget or uh, whatever else it might be. Even internet, we get frustrated if, uh, if things just don't download straight away. I don't know about you, but I try and play the beat Google game. When you type in the search bar, try and finish typing what I want to search before it actually pops up. And uh, sometimes I beat it, but mostly I don't. But we're used to just having these things straight away and immediately. And we don't have this sense of persistence and perseverance as perhaps we need to. And I wonder if we take this I want it now attitude into our prayer life. That we pray and we expect, bang, God will do something immediately. But not just that, it will be what we want and when we want it. And then we um, become discouraged if things aren't evident. Give up. Begin to question God. Well, are you there, God? Do you care for me? And I wonder, do our prayers sometimes reflect that, either in the words we say or in our attitude towards prayer or even in the frequency in which we pray or don't pray? And I wonder if sometimes our faith takes a beating because we're not persisting, we're not persevering in our prayer. But apparently that's not a new problem. If you look at our main verse for the day from Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. And we'll read through this now. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. You wonder why he went into the role of being a judge in the first place. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man comes, how many will he find on earth who have faith? I guess when we first look at that story, it seems fairly straightforward. Keep on praying. But it's also a little bit of a tricky story, I think. Does it mean that if I keep on praying, I'll eventually get what I want? I don't think it does. That parable in Luke 18 is only one of two parables 
in the Gospels where Jesus states the meaning of that parable up front. Normally he told a story, and at the end of the story, the crowd or the disciples or whoever was the audience was left to try and figure out what the meaning was. And Jesus would step in and say, well, this is what it means. But in this case, Jesus states the purpose of the parable up front. Incidentally, the other one, where he states the purpose up front, follows straight after this in Luke 18. It's also about prayer. So what is he stated up front? I think because he doesn't want any confusion or uncertainty about the meaning of that parable. He wants a clear message. And that message is, we should always pray and never give up. And if we ignore that upfront statement, we can take away the wrong idea from that story. That we just keep on badgering God like the widow badgers the judge. And eventually I'll get that thing that I want, whatever it might be. It's interesting to note too that the word in that parable that talks about um, the, uh, the lady badgering the judge all the time is the same word that's used for a black eye. So in a way it's like giving that judge a black eye, getting his attention. And would we do that to God? <laughs> would we punch him in the eye to get his attention so that he gives us what we want? I mentioned Philip Yancey, a Christian author, and he writes in a very honest style. And he openly tackles questions that often are a no-go zone in churches. He's written a number of books, Where is God When It Hurts? What's So Amazing About Grace? How My Faith Survived the Church? What Good is God? He's written about prayer as well, and I do recommend the book. It's called Prayer Doesn't Make a Difference. And in this book, Philip Yancey writes... Prayer can be frustrating, confusing and fraught with mystery. I probe such questions as, is God listening? Why should God care about me? If God knows everything, what's the point of prayer? How can I make prayer more satisfying? Why do so many prayers go unanswered? Do prayers for healing really matter? Does prayer change God? Do you ever find yourself asking any of those questions? Yancey continues, he began with that list of questions, then studied all 650 prayers in the Bible and interviewed scores of people about their experiences with prayer. He writes, I interviewed ordinary people about prayer. Typically, results went like this. Question, is prayer important to you? Oh, yes. Question, how often do you pray? Every day. Question, approximately how long? Five minutes? Well, maybe seven. Question, do you sense the presence of God when you pray? Occasionally, not very often. Many of those I talk to, he writes, experience prayer more as a burden than a pleasure. They regarded it as important, even paramount, and felt guilty about their failure, blaming themselves. Does that sound familiar? In the process of studying prayer, Yancey says it changed his own concept and expectation of prayer. He says, I now see prayer not so much as a way of getting God to do my will 
as a way of being available to get in the stream of what God wants to accomplish on earth. I'll leave that on the screen for a moment. It's not about getting God to do what we want, but about getting into his stream in terms of what he wants to accomplish on earth. And I guess my question, if we're thinking about persisting in prayer and never giving up, is are we persisting in prayer in the right way? Are we persisting in getting what we want? Are we trying to twist God's arm? Or are we persisting in aligning ourselves with God's purpose? I guess it's a bit like hitting ourselves against a brick wall in order to get through that brick wall. Now, I'm not suggesting that persistence in prayer is something futile, like hitting a brick wall. But at times, maybe we just don't have the right perspective. Maybe we need to step back from that brick wall and take a breath and ask some questions. Does God have another way past that wall? Rather than persisting by ramming it, is there something else that God's trying to show me through this? Or perhaps there's a way over the wall or around the wall or under the wall. Is there someone or something that God can bring into the situation that will help? Is there really a need to get past the wall? Does God want it there for a purpose? Maybe it's there for my advantage in some way. Or maybe it's just not the right time to go past that wall. Maybe it's not even up to me to make a hole in it. (laughs) Maybe there's a ladder around somewhere. But I think sometimes we get into our prayers, we're just seeing one possible solution that we can see in our human mind and we don't understand things from God's perspective. And if we're going to persist, it's not persisting in what we know and what we understand, it's persisting in finding God's purpose and God's way. The point is that prayer, for some reason my iPad just skipped The point is that prayer is the act of seeing reality from God's point of view. It's not about changing him, it's about changing me. Again, Yancey says, The main purpose of prayer is not to make life easier, nor to gain magical powers, but to know God. That's really true, isn't it? It's about knowing God. We often see the purpose of prayer about convincing God to make things happen. And I think to apply that idea to the parable that we want to convince God, just like this lady was convincing the judge, is a misunderstanding of the parable. The main point again, Jesus said, pray and don't give up. And according to the parable, we can persist in prayer for two reasons. The first is we can persist in prayer because God loves us. And we've heard this morning already of God's love for us. And I love the way that the Holy Spirit orchestrates the service so all the little bits join together. But we can persist in prayer because God loves us. I guess one of the ideas in the parable that we read is how much more. From an example of a lesser person, the judge to a great God. 
if the judge would give the lady's request, how much more will God do that? Because he loves us. The choice of the judge is a central character, someone who's unkind, has little regard for people, no respect for God, is an interesting choice. It's never designed that we would compare that judge to God. God is not the man in the story. He is so much more. And I guess from the judge's point of view, he kept saying no to this lady because he was after payment. And he thought, well, what kind of payment or what kind of bribe could she possibly give me? There were no set fees, no guidelines as to what cases should be taken on board. It was up to his own decision, depending on what financial gain he thought could be made, or even whether his status in society may increase by taking this case on. He had no interest in it whatsoever. The widow was part of a particularly vulnerable group of people in society. No income, a very low social ranking, and in this story, not even a family member to go along with her and support her as she approached the judge. Psalm 68 mentions that God is the defender of the widows, implying that widows are someone in special need. She was a lower class person, approaching this judge, badgering him, giving him a black eye, so to speak, so that he would do what he wants, what she wanted. But how much more is God? And I want to say, if you feel lower than other people, not worthy in society or not worthy even to approach God, take heart, he loves you. He loves you. Jesus is often called the great physician. Philip Yancey writes, In the presence of the great physician, my most appropriate contribution may be my wounds. So if you're not persisting in prayer, if you don't feel confident to approach God in prayer, he just wants us to come as we are, to take our brokenness, our hurts, our failures, he knows them all, and come before him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And like the main character in the story, perhaps sometimes life seems unjust, but God's character is not. And the widow, despite her lower standing in society, was still heard, and her struggles were not in vain. There is hope. And we have hope in God as well. Psalm 62 verses 5 and 6. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from God. We can persist in our prayers because we have hope in God. He is truly my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. In the movie Cast Away... One of the driving forces in Tom Hanks's character is the girl that he left behind. And he had this hope that one day he would be uh, rescued or escape from the island and get back to society and find this girl who he loved. They're about to get married. The story has a sad ending. Of course, he does escape from the island and does get back to society. But after four years, 
this girl, believing Tom Hanks' character was dead, had moved on with life and found another person and had married and had a child. God never moves on. He never moves on. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And if we're waiting for an answer for prayer, if we're persisting in our prayers, we don't have to be concerned that things will change. God never moves on. So that's the first reason we can persist in our prayers, because God loves us. The second reason we can persist is because it builds up our faith. Prayer, persisting in prayer, builds up our faith. The last verse of the passage in Luke, Luke 18, said, When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So if the key message of the parable, according to Jesus himself, is to pray and never give up, and he wraps up this little uh, story here by saying, Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? I think we can see an obvious link between prayer and never giving up and our faith. And I believe that if we persist in prayer, it does build up our faith. When we feel close to the point of wanting to give up, of not being able to manage on our own anymore, then we can rely on God and our faith can be increased. An English evangelist at the turn of the last century, Frederick Meyer, says the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. We have to persist and keep on and not offer our prayers to God. Our faith will grow. And prayer is our partnership with God. It's our chance to join with him to rely on his power to confront the challenges that we have, the struggles that we have, or the evil that we see around us. It's joining with God, joining with God, and it builds our faith. Faith, of course, is all important. We know the verse in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 11, verse 1, very well. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. In other words, faith is the thing that bridges the gap between what our mind can understand about God, limited that it is, and what we don't really understand about God. That's where we need faith, to bridge that gap. Without faith, we can't grow in our relationship with God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we must make sure that our faith is growing all the time and bridging that gap between what we can see and what we can't see. The Bible tells us that our faith can be made strong through the challenges that God allows us to experience. Persisting in prayer, I believe, is a key to that. If you look at people in the Bible who we might consider as giants of the faith, all of them had to persist in something. It was never a title that was just bestowed upon them automatically. It was never a point they automatically got to in their life without going through some very difficult, challenging times. I mean, just take the story of Noah. He was building an ark. Over a hundred years it took to build that ark in this dry land before the floods finally came. 
And we think of Noah as someone who had great faith in God, but he had to persist to get there. We think of someone like David. The Psalms are full of his cries out to God. My enemies surround me. Will you rescue me? How much longer? He had to persist. We think of the apostles, Peter and Paul and many others, who we think back to as giants of the faith. They had to face all kinds of challenges and torture and hardship and even death. They had to persist through their faith. There's a a silly movie called Galaxy Quest with uh, Tim Allen and the key line to that. Who knows Galaxy Quest, the key line? Never give up, never surrender. And it's said with a silly voice, never give up. I I won't try and do it, embarrass myself. But I guess that's a key message from that movie Galaxy Quest today is to never give up. And never surrender to persist in our faith. I'd actually like those who are handing out the weekly challenge to do that now while I just finish this next part of my message. Thanks. So we can persist in faith because God loves us. We can persist in faith, sorry, in prayer because it builds up our faith. And I want to finish by suggesting three very simple ways of how to persist. It's one thing to say, yes, persist in prayer. But here are three simple little things that will help us in persisting in prayer. Firstly, I think we need to check that what we're praying for is in line with God's perspective. That we're not bashing against the brick wall needlessly but we are understanding, we're aligning ourselves with what God's purpose is. We're taking a step back from our natural thinking and desire and finding God's purpose in a situation. Prayer doesn't remove what's unknown and unpredictable in our life, but rather it includes what's unknown and unpredictable in the outworking of God through us we may be surprised as to where God leads us again going back to Philip Yancey he says prayer helps correct myopia that's a short-sightedness calling to mind a perspective I daily forget Yancey says I keep reversing roles thinking of ways in which God should serve me rather than vice versa So prayer corrects our short-sightedness, reminding us that it's about us finding ways to serve God. A second clue for persisting in prayer, I believe, is getting in the habit of just offering God small things throughout the day, small prayers throughout the day. We can get caught in the day and away we go. And perhaps it's not till later in the day or the evening or even the next day we suddenly think, oh, goodness me, if I'd only just spent time in prayer. So I guess it's like training for a marathon. If you've been sitting on a couch for the last 10 years and decide you want to run a marathon, you don't get up and run the marathon. You might start by walking, walking a little bit further. As you walk, say, well, I'm going to just shuffle a bit quicker from here to the next post. And then I'm going to go a little bit further and 
over time increasing what you can do. And I wonder whether that can be like persisting in prayer too. Things such as, when I drive, pray. Ask God for safety as I travel. Before I open up my computer at work, pray, God, be with me today. Whatever comes through the screen, whatever is before me, be with me. If you don't, get into the habit of saying grace, thanking God before each meal. Perhaps last thing in the evening as your head hits the pillow, make sure that you just thank God for all he's done for you in the day. Or maybe it's even persisting with a regular time for prayer. Every day at this time, I shall pray. But I think if we include things like that in our day, then we can build up our prayer habit, our prayer muscle, if there's such a thing, by persisting bit by bit by bit. The last thing I'd like to suggest in how to persist is to turn our eyes around. Often when we pray, our eyes are facing inward. And we're thinking, what are my needs? What are the things I want to bring to God today? What am I struggling with? Um, What am I aware of? And I think we need to turn our eyes from facing inward to looking upwards. And I wonder, do our prayers honour God? And just, God, I'm not bringing anything here. I'm not here to ask for something. I'm here just to say, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your goodness. And I wonder whether we get into that habit, then we can persist in our prayers by offering prayers of praise to God rather than coming before him with our requests. And so our weekly challenge is this. And here it is on the screen. You've got it in front of you as well. Make your persistent prayers, prayers of thanksgiving to God. Each day this week, reread Psalm 136 and find one new reason to give, thanks, uh, to give God thanks for the faithful and enduring love that he has for us. Let's persist in that task this week where we offer prayers of thanksgiving. Let's just have a look at a couple of verses from Psalm 136. You'll see a bit of a pattern there. Verse 1 is on your prayer card. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So day one might be, God, I just want to thank you for your goodness. All the things you do in my life, the things that you do in the church and in your body, we thank you for your goodness. Verse 2, Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. God, I want to thank you that you are God above any other. There are no gods before you. Let's persist with that prayer. Verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. You see the pattern? His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. Verse 4, give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. There's a reason to give thanks to God, isn't it? There's a reason to appreciate his goodness and who he is. His faithful love endures forever. Let's look at one more, verse 5. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Can we thank God for his creation? That the stars are in place, that they stay in place, they don't fall down. That the earth revolves around the sun as it should that the galaxies are there to marvel at on a clear night sky. There are so many reasons in Psalm 136 
that we can give thanks to God for. And every second line, his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. We can persist in our prayers because his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. Can I get the band to come back up on stage, please? What I want to do more than anything today is encourage you in your prayer life. We've looked at some Bible verses, some movies and some quotes, but it comes down to you, between you and God. It was interesting, wasn't it, reading about Philip Yancey's questions and people saying, yes, I believe prayer is important. Yes, it's an essential part of life. Yes, I give it five minutes, maybe seven minutes a day. I want to challenge us all. If we're going to persist in prayer, we have to pray. We have to pray. It's not about getting what we want from God. It's about aligning ourselves with God, getting into the stream of who He is and feeling that we're part of His purpose. Even if it's tough, even if life's difficult around, He still has a place for us in those hardships. Whether we're facing hard times with family or friends or at work or whatever it might be. Maybe that's not going to change, but maybe it's what we're doing, how we're responding to God in that, that changes. You know, when everyone who's on the preaching roster gets up to preach, it takes us a lot of time through the week to think through this, to hear from God and uh, just to pray and to seek what he wants us to say. And more than ever, I just want you to leave today feeling challenged to spend more time in prayer and not to give up and not to persist. Each time I came back to this message, each time I came to read and to think and to pray, it just kept coming back. We have to have a church of people who pray. Persist in their prayer. Build our faith up. Please don't let this be another Sunday. It was nice to be here. It's warm inside when it's a bit cold and wet outside. Don't let it be just one of those days. Let it be something that you walk out of this building thinking, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to look at the perspective of my prayers as well and try and align myself with God. And as I mentioned, starting with Psalm 136, I think it's a great way to do that. I'd like to pray for us now. God, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that your love endures forever. Father, I thank you that you persisted with us all through the generations. Countless servants of yours faithfully shared the message with the people of Israel. Father, I thank you that when we couldn't do it through rules and regulations and on our own, that you had a backup plan that was really first plan anyway, that you persisted and sent Jesus to us. God, I thank you that he persisted with a band of unschooled ruffians, with people who misunderstood, with people who crucified him. He persisted right to that end, but then conquered death. Father, I thank you that you don't move on, that you don't just wipe the slate clean and think, well, they're a lost cause. I'll go find another planet and start over again. God, thank you that you persist because you love us.
And Father, I pray that we can respond in our lives by persisting just a little in our prayers. May our faith grow and be strengthened in all that we do. May that be for you and for your glory. Amen.